Lasting Memories Locker Room, downtown Hanover, where you will find incredible sports memorabilia, art supplies, and custom framing. Check them out online at LastingMemoriesLockerRoom.com. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Hockey Talk. Paul Hillier here along with Andy Clark. Uh, Steve Fitzsimmons is on assignment this week and will not be joining us, unfortunately. But uh, no worries. We have a great show lined up for you tonight. Uh, and uh, Andy, once again, uh, an- another great guest lined up. Uh, tell us a little bit about who we're going to be speaking with tonight. Uh a name that uh, Leaf fans will be really familiar with, uh, a bit of a local connection. Uh, his brother was a longtime uh, teacher in Hanover at John D. Baker Secondary School. Uh, for our audience, this is our first episode where we're very stoked. Uh, first episode on Whiteman. Um, our Blue Water radio audience knows we've been at this for three years. Uh, we're in our third season. But uh, yeah, Dave Harrison, a guy who lives down the street from me, uh, this is his uh, brother, Paul Harrison, who uh, had a pretty uh, impressive NHL career with the Leafs and three other teams. And uh, he's uh, agreed to come on and talk to us about his career and some other uh, hockey uh, matters all the way from Timmins, Ontario. So uh, welcome aboard, uh, Paul. Well, thanks for having me, guys. It's a real pleasure. I understand uh, your brother, uh, he played a little bit of hockey himself. Dave would probably not tell you this, but he was a very uh, fierce competitor. Uh, played the game hard. Yeah, he uh, he was very uh, kind of very humble and shy about it all. Uh, he said that he was never the best skater, the never best shooter, never the most talented player. But he he said he always tried to make sure no one ever worked harder than he did on the ice. Well, I tell you, he left an impact on uh, on the ice when he played. Uh, people were very aware of him being out there, and uh, you know he played at a high level. Also, I mean, he was a captain at the University of Windsor, and uh, you know uh, played some really uh, fine hockey in his day. Yes, and of course, you guys are both from uh, Timmins, where that's just a, a wellspring of hockey players. What was uh, what was it like growing up playing hockey in Timmins? Well, the Leafs were were certainly uh, the dominant team in the, the Timmins area, with uh, you know all the the great Leaf players that have come from here, and you know Frank Mahovlich and, and Angus Mortson and guys like that. But uh, you know, it was great. It, it almost gave you that sense of knowing that anything was possible when so many players had have come from our our area to, to go on and play in the NHL and and even you know guys just just prior to me guys like Don Lever and and uh, Eric Vale uh, I mean you know these were a few years uh, older than, than myself so I didn't play against them in minor hockey but we certainly were well aware of them watching them as kids and then you know watching their junior careers and then getting into the drafted into the NHL so it gave I think it gave it gave a lot of the young people a sense that it was possible to achieve that goal if you had it and uh, I mean, with your career, uh, you you eventually uh, started off. You got drafted by the Minnesota North Stars, um, a store another storied franchise that, unfortunately, I guess they still technically exist there. The now the Minnesota Wild, I guess. But uh, I remember watching the Minnesota North Stars growing up. Uh, what what was it like um, for you playing your first NHL game? It was an eye opener. I, I had a really good, strong training camp coming out of junior. I played my junior hockey in Oshawa and. and uh, you know, had a real uh, the confidence was it was, was really running high going into training camp, thinking that I was going to be their salvation. I think, and uh, <laughs> uh, you know, had a great camp and and you know got a got an early start. Uh, unfortunately, my my first start was against Philadelphia Flyers, and they had just won the Stanley Cup. 
And, and, you know, life was good. I was confident until uh, Reggie Leach rang one off the goalpost about a minute into the game. And, and quite frankly, I never even saw the shot. And it was like, holy crap, <laughs> I am in over my head here. And uh, it was, uh, yeah, it was a learning curve there for a while. R- Reggie the rifle living up to his oh name. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah he, could, uh, he could fire them. And uh, I talked to him recently, uh, you know, about, uh, you know, playing against uh, goalies. And, he, you know, he, he said, yeah, we always wasted one you know at their head to you know shake them up a little bit <laughs> and he's well he shook me up real good <laughs> to get get the attention there now uh before you uh jumped into the nhl with uh minnesota um after timmins you played a couple of years with the oshawa generals what was your time like there in in what became the ontario hockey league oh wow you know what it was it was such an exciting time for for me it was my first time away from home and you know on your own and, and you know, basically, you're playing hockey for a living. I, I, I had a part-time job, but I didn't go to school. I graduated. I was a late bloomer, so I was almost. I think I was 18 years old when I left Timmins to go to Oshawa. So, um, you know, my, my high school days were already over. I'd already graduated high school, and uh, it, it was just a, it was a wonderful experience. Played with some guys from from your area down uh, down in in Grey Bruce area. Uh, uh, Dean Nyman was one of my teammates my first year in Oshawa in 1973. And another uh, real firecracker, I think it was from Lucknow, was uh, a, a real good hockey player named Andy Whitby, uh, a crowd favorite in Oshawa, and uh, another uh, you know real feisty guy. Another guy you had to be really aware of, of what was going on on the ice because he'd uh, he could take you out real quick. Yeah, you uh, uh, you had mentioned there about uh, Andy Whitby was a name that hadn't been familiar to me until uh, we were talking. Uh, before this interview a little bit there and uh, looked it up there and he had a pretty uh, decent pro career and uh, you were mentioning Dean Nyman who uh, uh, had that one really good year and then he came back and played for a local senior team called the Durham Thundercats uh, at that time it was the Durham Huskies I should say they, they became the Durham Thundercats but uh, yeah he was a, a really top-notch senior player for a lot of years uh, for the Durham Huskies. Dino was a good hockey player, and I think he just kind of got caught up in some numbers. We ended up really strong uh, down the middle, and and uh, Greg Malone would have been his first year in '74, and uh, and Dino just kind of got caught up in the numbers. We had Bud Stefanski and Dean and and um, a couple other guys, and you know he he had a good solid first year in 73 and and quite frankly he was he was a good teammate i i really was very disappointed when dino uh, was let go the following year yeah and uh it was it was a friend's father uh, played some hockey with him and, and and i don't know if this is true if anyone's listening and wants to uh, contact us on our facebook or twitter tell me but he said that uh when uh, dean left oshawa and was back playing senior hockey that uh he was approached uh by a uh, punch imlac uh when he went to Buffalo uh, as a, as coach and GM in Buffalo and uh, offered him a free agent tryout. But, of course, Punch Imlac uh, had quite a reputation as being uh, pretty difficult and my way's the highway. And uh, according to the story I heard, Dean basically said, yeah, there's, <laughs> there's no point in me even going to this tryout because our philosophies are so different. So, Yeah, I, you know, I, I couldn't confirm that, but I know for a fact that... Uh, I played, you know, playing for Punch in Toronto for you know the, towards the end of Punch's uh, working career. Uh, you know, he he was pretty astute uh, judge of talent, and and I'm sure. And Dean Dean was a gifted playmaker, and had uh, had wonderful hands, and and saw the ice really well. I mean, skating maybe was a little a little lacking, and and uh, 
you know, maybe in today's game he wouldn't have been able to keep up, but I don't think any of us playing in the 70s could keep up with today's game. Keep up today. Now, since we're doing the six uh, degrees of Paul Harrison and uh, Great County Connections, um, there's another fellow that he was originally from Toronto, but he moved uh, at a young age to the Flesherton area, and uh, he ended up having a really good junior career with the Ottawa 67s. And then you guys ended up playing together in the, the Dallas organization, and that would be uh, Jimmy Roberts. Yeah, it was, uh, I played with Jimmy not in Dallas. Uh, Jimmy was a Minnesota draft pick, I guess, my second year. A high pick, if I'm not mistaken. might have been a second rounder. And um, we ended up uh, briefly in um, New Haven together, and he uh, he lit it up in New Haven. He was down there probably for six weeks, maybe two months at the most, and uh, was just uh, you know lighting up the scoreboard. Uh, I think he might have had ten or fifteen uh, points in, in ten or fifteen games. And uh, Minnesota called him up, and he had a good he had a good run with Minnesota. And of course, I ended up playing with the North Stars the following year, uh, a little more regularly. And, and of course, Jimmy was there with us, and, and uh, he's a good hockey player a real good hockey player and a good uh, real good man yes and, and like dean nyman he came back and played uh, quite a few years with uh, the durham huskies that we mentioned before and, and i do have to say this too because uh i always look for local guests to get here uh, get on our show uh, that uh, shoots out of hanover and broadcasts out of hanover and uh, jim roberts is one guy i haven't been able to get a hold of yet so if anyone's listening that uh knows jimmy roberts tell him to give us a call because we'd love to have him in our studio uh talking about his hockey career yeah um, now, so after Minnesota, you ended up uh, in Toronto at a very volatile time in Toronto's history. Uh, you know what? I wouldn't say volatile. Uh, we were a, a real strong up-and-coming team in, in uh, 1978, uh, the year before the Leafs had upset the Islanders. And, and uh, Roger Nielsen had had a, a wonderful system in place, and the players had all bought into what he was trying to do. Uh, we had a, we had a solid team, a, a real a cohesive team. Uh, guys would have you know went and skated through the wall for each other there, and uh, we 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 had a solid we had a, we had an opportunity to win and become something real special. Um, you know, unfortunately, we ended up against Montreal in the playoffs that year, and. Uh, you know, we didn't do well, uh, but we were competitive. We lost two games in overtime, uh, and, and we're in uh, in most of the games. And uh, you know, I, I think we were we were a player two, maybe a way of, of really doing something special there. A solid core of young people and, and really smart young hockey people. Uh, and I look at these these guys that we had on our team that may be unknown to most people, but that they even played for the Leafs. Uh, Joel Quenville was a first year defenseman. Fantastic defenseman. Uh, gone on to coach Chicago and other teams for many years. Bruce Boudreau was a fourth of the line center, but I mean a real smart hockey guy, still coaching in the NHL. John Anderson was a was a big power forward, assistant coach to Boudreau in Minnesota right now, but a real good hockey player. Ronnie Wilson was on that hockey team, coached for many years. So I think that was a testament to Rogers' tutor, uh, tutoring, and, and but also to the to the young hockey minds that we had playing for us uh, we had a real skilled hard-working dedicated bunch of guys that, that would uh, you know really do their best every night out and of course you know tiger williams held you accountable if you didn't tiger would have <laughs> you by the by the shirt and, and and throw you around the dressing room a little bit if he thought you weren't pulling your weight you know and of course daryl was a wonderful leader and uh, we, we we had our we had a solid team boria salming was was in his prime uh, Schittler was certainly in his prime Lanny mcdonald was coming into his prime 
Uh, and we had a lot of secondary players that, that maybe kind of didn't get the credit that they should in Toronto. Uh, Patty Boutet went on to have a wonderful career in Hartford and Pittsburgh and scored, put up a lot of big numbers and, and, and a real hard-nosed guy. Defensively, we were incredible with, uh, um, I mean, obviously, Boria, but we had Ian Turnbull, Dave Hutchinson, uh, Quenville, as previously mentioned. I mean, we had, we had a solid defense. And, you know, some of the guys that don't get any credit that, that should get all kinds of credit because they were kind of the heart of our team was uh, guys like Dan Maloney and, and um, Walter, um, uh, Walter McKechnie. Paul McKechnie, yeah. yeah. You know, I mean... Laurie Boschman and Robbie Sackenock would be maybe two... You know, well, that, was, that was later on. That was in the following year. But the I following think Rocky year. actually came up in the playoffs that year, too, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but we had a solid team, and, and unfortunately, uh, you know, Harold didn't stick with the guys. Uh, you know, he fired Roger once during the season and then let him go at the end of the year when we lost out in the playoffs. Uh, but, it, uh, you know, I, I, it's one of these things what could have been. You know, uh, we re- I really thought we had a solid core of guys that uh, really wanted to win. Certainly, yeah, and you had a... It was uh, Rick Vive with you that year, or was it the next season? Uh, it would have been that he came in, when, in with the... Uh, uh, the big trade with Vancouver where they traded uh, Tiger Williams and Jerry Butler. Jerry, Jerry's another guy that uh, a solid, solid two-way player, a shutdown guy on the number one line for the other, you know, the opposition that, that was thrown in on a trade. Now, you know, wasn't that was probably a good trade that Punch made because obviously Ricky Vive and Billy DeLego were excellent hockey players. But, uh, but you know, Tiger was a big part of our, our team. He was a big part of the heart of our team. I know Paul wanted to ask about uh, someone you mentioned there. I got a couple of them uh, playing. Uh, you were you know, with the Leafs for a few years there, and uh, playing behind there with uh, Mike Palmatier. Um, I, ha- I have a slight connection with him. Uh, his sister used to live across the street from me when when Toronto when we were young, and uh, when he'd come over to visit, I guess he he'd see us out playing road hockey in the street, and he'd come out. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about what Mike was like as a guy? Well, I'm sure Mike would come out and probably want to play because he did. He's like a- he was a big kid when I played with him, and he's, he's still a big kid. We went fishing last year, and, and he's still, uh, you know, he's still, <laughs> he's a big kid. He loves the game, and, uh, you know, as a testament to the uh, to the uh, the Winter Classic a year or so ago, where he, <laughs> you know, he stood on his head and thought he was 12 years old. So. Yeah. But he's a great teammate. We uh, we got along real well, and, uh, you know, I, I mean, I think I I knew my place in Toronto. Mike was our, our starter by all means. But I also knew that Mike was never uh, the healthiest guy. He had bad wheels, and, and quite often, uh, you know, he had uh, had to nurse his knees and take a night off or two, and uh, I knew I was going to play almost all the back-to-back games or the second part of the back-to-backers. And so, you know, I got a, I got a fair number of starts uh, with uh, my two years with the Leafs. I think the first year I got 25 or 26 starts, and if not, I might have got 30 the next year. So, uh, you know, I, uh, I I knew my place, but Mike was a great uh, a great teammate and, a, and certainly a great goalie. And, and now, now going back uh, a, little, a year or two before to Minnesota, um, you, you played with a lot again, a lot of great great players that unfortunately did for whatever reason the teams didn't do like neil broughton and dino cicerelli but uh, uh a father my all fa- guys well after me though oh really yeah they were would have been after that but uh, a, uh my father grew up with a, a guy you did play with in minnesota a gentleman by the name of steve Payne, who i believe still today has the as the record for the most playoff points for uh, a minnesota north star uh, tell us a little bit about steve if you remember you know what? As uh, as I said, yes, I remember the name, but he too was after me. Oh, he was. 
Yeah, yeah. I went to I went to Leafs in '78, and Steve didn't probably go there till probably around '79, '78, '79. So oh, so he would have joined after you left. Following year, yeah. No, I would have missed Steve. No, that's too bad. Um, uh, so you had uh, <laughs> we were talking about Roger Nielsen earlier there. Uh, so when the tide was starting to turn a little bit uh, with the Leafs, uh, basically Harold made an ultimatum. Uh, involving Roger Nielsen there. Uh, so tell us about that situation. Oh, you're talking about a, a night in Montreal. I'm talking That's about a night in Montreal, yeah. Yeah, we, uh, we, were, we were struggling a little bit, and um, we went into, uh, into Montreal with... Uh, we, actually, we had a bunch of injuries, so we were really short staff, and of course that was probably the reason for our, our, you know, our losing streak. But uh, Harold, I guess, went in and said, listen, if, uh, if we don't win in Montreal... Uh, I'm firing the coach. That's it. And, and uh, I guess he told Roger this. And so it, was, it wasn't known to the player. Well, I guess it was known because it was it was common knowledge at the time. So I was playing that night. Mike, unfortunately, was hurt and uh, probably had the game of my life. Uh, Montreal back then were, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think they finished the year with 120 points and, and far and away the best team in the NHL. I was in the middle of their... Their, their four, uh, probably their four Stanley Cup run back in the 70s. And, uh, but we had them. We had them one nothing with about two minutes left in the game. And, you know, as, as was Montreal's way in, in those days, especially in the forum, uh, they come back and beat us 2-1. And, uh, of course, Roger was fired after the game. Uh, unfortunately, nobody, Harold couldn't find anybody to take his job. So, uh, and I think I think Daryl went and, and fought for for uh, for Roger too to say, you know, hey, listen, this is crazy. This guy's a great coach. You you can't do this. The players love him. We want him. You know, you know, don't you know, don't do this. So, uh, Roger was hired back uh, the next day, and uh, you know, of course, the, the, but at the time, I think uh, the unknown comic was very popular. And, there was some talk yeah. around Toronto that they wanted Harold to, uh, Roger to come down to the bench wearing a paper bag over his head. But, of course, Roger was a pretty class act and would never do that. But uh, but my, my claim to fame was, you know, losing to Montreal 2-1 and getting the Hockey Hall of Fame coach fired the same night. So uh, <laughs> it kind of wrapped up my career. And, and you know. Yeah, and uh, also, too, uh, sorry, I don't have the season off the top of my head here, but there, the one year that you played in uh, for the – uh, Dallas Blackhawks. The Leafs yep. called you up for one playoff game, yep. which was against Montreal. So you were saying that gives you the distinction of being uh, the goaltender, uh, the last Leaf goaltender to play a playoff game against the Montreal Canadiens. No, actually, it would be the same year with Roger Nielsen was coaching, and um, it, that would have been the same that following playoff. Uh, Mike uh, played game three, and and end up but we ended up losing in triple overtime if I'm not mistaken but somewhere over the, the second or third overtime period somebody skated over his arm and you know he was a, he's a trooper kept playing never even complained about it but he ended up with some internal bleeding and just about lost his arm in the middle of the night they had to do major surgery to, to relieve the pressure from the, the bleeding and, uh, and of course it was done for the year and um, I ended up playing game four which you know unfortunately we lost but uh, it was a hell of a game we were down 4 nothing at one time and battled back and tied it up. And, um, uh, you know, they, uh, Tiger unfortunately took a penalty in overtime and we lost uh, on the, on the ensuing power play, lost in overtime. 
But uh, the, the last game I played, I ended up coming back up against the Islanders and playing the playoffs. I had ended up in Dallas the following year, or I guess it would be two years later, and um, ended up coming up for the, the last playoff game and played the last two periods. If I'm not mistaken, when uh, I went in in the second, I, st- I started at the second period, and uh, the Leafs were already losing 5 nothing, And um, I if I'm not mistaken, I think I might have shut the door on them and, and the final score was 5-1. So in my eyes, you know, I won one nothing. And, you know, if I would have been there for the start of the playoffs, we could have won the Stanley Cup. But <laughs> nice. That wasn't likely going to happen. They, uh, the Islanders were pretty strong. Well, top-level athletes always have to uh, think positive and be confident. So Yeah, and the Islanders were, were a tough team to beat in the very early 80s. They had a, quite a run there for a few years. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That, was, that was actually my last game as a Maple Leaf. Uh, and, uh, you know, it was... Uh, yeah, it was it was a shame that you know what was going on in Toronto at that time with Punchy Black and, and all of the all of the turmoil that was happening. Hey, uh, Paul, uh, are you okay to stick with us to uh, the other side? We have to take a quick uh, commercial break, but we have plenty more we want to ask you about. So, uh, can you just hold on the line for a couple of minutes, and uh, we'll bring you back on? No problem. Great. So we're talking to Paul Harrison here on Hockey Talk on Whiteman TV and Blue Water Radio. Hockey Talk is brought to you by Lasting Memories Locker Room, downtown Hanover, where you will find incredible sports memorabilia, art supplies, and custom framing. Check them out online at lastingmemorieslockerroom.com. Bruce County Combat and Fitness in Walkerton offers recreational and competitive kickboxing, boxing, wrestling, boot camps, yoga, and kids' classes. They offer early morning, daytime, and evening classes to fit your schedule, as well as private lessons and birthday parties. Your first class is always free to try, and the low monthly membership fees get you access to unlimited classes, plus there are no contracts to sign. Check them out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or at their website, brucecountycombat.com, or give them a call at 519-507-4431. Triangle bonus days are here, just in time for Father's Day. You'll collect a total of 30 times Canadian Tire Money on all qualifying in-store and online purchases with your Triangle credit card. So if you're getting Dad a tool, a shirt, sneakers, or anything, really, Triangle Rewards will make your Father's Day easier and Dad's way better. Triangle Bonus Days are on Thursday at Canadian Tire, Friday at Marks, and Saturday at Sport Check and Atmosphere. Triangle, life made easier, Father's Day made easier. No rain checks, excludes select brands and styles. Conditions apply. See triangle.com or flyer for details. Welcome to Morley's Country Garden Greenhouse and Nursery, where we grow all of our top quality annuals and perennials from seeds or cuttings on site using only natural insect control. We are the place to shop for all of your locally grown garden plants. With started vegetable plants, herbs, fruit trees, shrubs, and an amazing selection of annuals, we have it all and over 40 years of experience to go with it. Our family-owned and operated greenhouse is currently open seven days a week. Find us one kilometre west of the Flashing Light in Elmwood near the Elmwood Community Centre or check us out on Facebook. When I was a kid, my dad would say things like, be careful what you wish for because you may get it, or a penny saved is a penny earned. Most of the time I had no idea what he was talking about. And as the years went by, he'd add things like, never leave till tomorrow what you can do today. Slowly, bit by bit, I, I began to get it. Now I'm a dad, and I say things to my boys like, you can't succeed if you don't try. And I call my dad, and we just laugh. And he usually says something like, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Do you ever wonder who writes this stuff? Fatherhood. It's the best job on the planet. Hockey Talk is brought to you by Lasting Memories Locker Room, downtown Hanover, where you will find incredible sports memorabilia, art supplies, and custom framing. Check them out online at lastingmemorieslockerroom.com. 
And welcome back to Hockey Talk here on Blue Water Radio and Whiteman TV. Uh, Paul Hillier along with Andy Clark and phone-in guest Paul Harrison, former Maple Leaf goalie. Uh, and Andy, uh, this, I guess, it leads back into a, a good story you, you found uh, last week. And uh, let's, have, let's have a little chat with about that now for a minute. Now, this is our first Hockey Talk episode on Whiteman, but uh, some of you uh, may remember from last summer we had a a similar show, a parallel show on Whiteman called Baseball Talk. And I used to do a segment there uh, from time to time called From the Clark Ives. And uh, so we're kicking that back out here with From the Clark Ives. And uh, f- uh, our TV audience has uh, the headline on the screen here. But for our radio audience on Blue Water, I'll read it out. It says, Daryl Sittler resigns as Leaf captain. And this is from a Toronto Star of December 30th, 1979, Section C1. And, you know, there's a follow-up on the other side, uh, on, on C2. Sittler quits as Maple Leafs captain. So... To get into some of the details, if you want to see them for yourself, you can go to our Twitter account, at HockeyTalk913, and uh, you can find uh, these articles there to read at your leisure. But it's amazing all the stuff that was going on, just uh, the big personalities butting heads, you know, Eagleson, Punch Imlach, Harold Ballard. And uh, so Daryl Sittler, at that time, Lady McDonald had just been traded to Colorado, along with great young defenseman Joel Quenville. And... uh, in return for Wolf Paymont and uh, Pat Hickey, I believe. Yeah. And uh, at any rate, after a pregame skate, uh, a pregame skate, uh, it was a game against Winnipeg, uh, Daryl Sittler, between the pregame skate and the game, took off the sea. And he issued a press release during the game, uh, resigning, because he had been butting heads with Harold and uh, Punch Imlach over quite a few issues. And the goalie that night, was none other than Paul Harrison, who's on the phone with us right now. So, Paul, what do you remember from that night? You know what? I just remember everybody feeling so sad uh, for for Daryl because of, of the situation that he was in. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to speak badly about anybody, and especially somebody that's not with us anymore, but it was it was such a bad situation in Toronto uh, with Punch Inlock as a general manager and you know as I said earlier you know we had a real strong team and we had we had a, a bonds that were that were solid with with teammates and, and guys wanting to win so badly and and of course Daryl led that bunch and, and everybody had wonderful respect for, for Daryl not only for for his leadership ability but for the way he played the game and for for the fact that he went to bat for us and, and uh, you know we all felt really uh, loyal to to, to Daryl and and quite frankly I think the only reason that Punch Imlach created Landy McDonald was because Daryl had a no trade clause and nobody would listen to anything that Punch said. If, if Punch come down to the dressing room or or, or, or the, whoever was coaching, I believe it was Floyd Smith, uh, I believe it was Floyd Smith uh, at the time, he would come yep. you know, and say, okay, you guys do this, you do that. Everybody would just turn to, to Daryl and look to see, can we do that? Daryl, is that okay type of thing? And, and like Daryl had full control of, of our team, as he should, because he was our leader and the guys, the guys had so much respect for him. And, you know, I think Punch found himself in a real bad position that he couldn't really get any kind of control over the existing team that was there. And short of dismantling it all, which he eventually did, at least got rid of the good players, um, you know, um, Lanny McDonald had to go. And, 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 you know, that kind of broke the spirit of everybody. I mean, we were all in shock that they would make a trade 
for for a player, a quality player like Landy. And I'm not, I, you know, I don't want to say anything bad about Will Paymont, toughest guy I've ever seen in my life. And and Pat Hickey was, you know, a great great goal scorer. But I don't know, Landy McDonald was pretty uh, pretty special. And, and as I said earlier, Joel Quenville, I thought was probably our second best defenseman. And next to Borja Salmi, and you know, just a young kid himself, and, and a lot of a lot of hockey ahead of him. Uh, so it was it was a tough situation, and, and you know, I, I think uh, we all felt real bad for for shit, and, and you know, he had to do what he had to do. And uh, you talked about all the great character on that team, and someone we haven't mentioned yet um, is someone a couple of years ago did a long interview with us, and I really appreciated him taking the time. Was was Ron Ellis, and in this article, uh, I was just referencing on the Clark Ives. Uh, which which was written by Louis uh, Cods, by the way. Here's a quote from Ron Ellis that speaks to some of the things you just said there. Um, Ron Ellis said, I've played for several captains, and Sittler is by far the best. He cares about the players and the problems more than any guy on this team. Sittler and myself were considered when Dave Keon left the Leafs in 1975, and the guys gave it to Sittler. He said, I was the senior guy in the team, and I was disappointed, but the guys made the right decision. Still, uh, Sittler was the right guy, and he is the best. So that speaks to not only the class of Daryl Sittler, but that speaks to the class of Ron Ellis too. Yeah, Chevy was a good guy too. I mean, I, you know, there's a guy with so much experience and, and great leadership as well. And I mean, I, you know, I, I, you know, pardon me for not mentioning him earlier because he yeah, another great, great, great teammate. Oh, you you had such a long list though there. So yeah, there's uh, yeah. bound to be. Polo. Yeah, and I mean now, now like with with, t- with the game today, uh, a lot of the players uh, they don't really prepare for life after hockey. Um, and I know I know you had a, a great career of your own after hockey, but how was the transition for you going from your career in hockey to moving back to Timmins and, and becoming a, an OPP police officer? You know, it was it was a bit of a struggle. It uh, you know they have they have a lot of training courses, life after hockey through the NHL alumni and. Transitional courses—it's wonderful, and I certainly any 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 uh, any alumni that's listening that hasn't taken part of the life after hockey uh, programs that the NHL alumni put on—they should definitely do it because uh, they're actually wonderful trainings. Uh, I struggled. I struggled greatly. Uh, my last year, I ended up after after uh, the lease. I ended up in uh, Pittsburgh, and ultimately ended up in Buffalo with Scotty Bowman. Um, Thought I played well there. Didn't play a lot. Uh, you know, I, I didn't play a lot of games, but I thought I played well enough to, you know, be given a chance to play again. Uh, found myself without uh, even playing a, an exhibition game the next year. Like directly go to the minors, and and I'd, I'd never experienced that. I was always in contention for at least a backup position every year that I played, and uh, not even to be given a chance to play in Buffalo kind of <clears throat> set the tone for a real bad. Uh, season in, in, in Rochester and you know Mike Keenan was coaching and uh, Mike was always hard on goalies and, and of course I, I don't think I helped myself with my attitude and, and we butted heads quite a bit so you know even though we won the Calder Cup championship I, I really didn't play any part of that championship uh, Jock Luce ended up being the, the go-to goalie and who, who was a had a wonderful playoff and played you know a wonderful NHL career so uh, you know Mike, Mike made the right call there playing Jacques but I, I finished the, the year and, and my career kind of bitter and kind of disappointed and uh, struggled with that for, for a little while it, it, uh, I got into policing as soon as I retired um, the mayor of the city of Timmins at the time uh, was actually my guidance counselor in high school 
So uh, I thought, well, who else? Who should I go talk to? Then you know, then my guidance counselor to get some direction on what I should do, and. Um, he, he actually steered me into policing. He, uh, after after meeting in his office, he sent me uh, sent me down to the police department. I had to have a talk with the chief, and I, and I walked out of there with a job, and oh, wow. uh, it was the best the best move I ever made. And I guess you you did that for a number of years, and uh, and then I guess after that you you got into uh, a program that uh, we do here. Uh, I guess up until recently is uh, is the Dare program, uh, speaking to children about drug awareness and. Uh, so tell us a little bit about how you got into that and what your feeling is about the program. Well, you know what, there's a hockey connection to that as well. Uh, it would have been probably, I'm going back probably about 1996. I uh, I was trying to get this program uh, funded. We, we it was uh, it was uh, challenging to to uh, you know to raise money and, and to you know get this program implemented and, and widespread throughout our schools. And and really that was my kind of uh, Motivation was to, to, to be the, the fundraiser for the program. I wasn't teaching the program. I was just asked to try to help and raise some money. So, um, Carl Brewer actually had come through in, in his, uh, in his uh, journey to try to uh, bring some justice to Alan Eagleson and, and, uh, you know, the guys with the, the, all the pension issues. He had, he traveled through Northern Ontario to solicit support for what he was trying to accomplish. He was, uh, getting all the players to sign a petition to, you know, to challenge Eagleson on, on what was going on. And he came up to see uh, Angus Morton, an old uh, NHL uh, hockey player, Stanley Cup uh, winner with the Leafs and All-Star. And, uh, and, of course, he dropped in to see me as well. And Carl, being uh, an old teammate, uh, you know, had some interest in what I was doing. And, you know, and I said, well, you know, Carl, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to raise money, and it's hard. Nobody wants to give me any money. And, you know, the police service won't do this program unless we, we you know, we find a, some funding for it. And, he said, well, you know, Paul, leave it with me. I, I'm going to the Leaf AGM uh, in, in a couple of weeks, and on my journey around uh, trying to find support for this Eagleson initiative, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, drum him, uh, I'll beat the drum and see if I can get some support for you as well. So he ended up going to the AGM uh, in Toronto with Billy Harris being the president of our alumni at the time. And if I'm not mistaken, I think he had about 35 names signed on this petition to give me some money. <laughs> and uh, and Billy Harris cut me a check for five thousand dollars, which was like huge at that time. And it gave me it gave me the you know the the chance to to fund the program for at least to start it. And it also gave me that association with the, the Maple Leaf alumni and later on the the NHL alumni. Uh, and for years we ran a hockey draw through the, the the Leaf alumni and the NHL alumni in support of drug prevention education and raised probably over a million dollars in in a twenty year run with us. So we, we not only funded the program in the city of Timmins, we eventually have funded it for all of northeastern Ontario through wow. the NHL Alumni Hockey Dream Draw. And the, actually the Maple Leaf Alumni Hockey Dream uh, is how it started. And uh, you're working on, on a similar initiative uh, right now as we speak. Well, the DARE program is still alive and, and, and strong in, in parts of northeastern Ontario. It's not as strong as it used to be, but, the, you know, the, the, the problems of, of drug abuse it, it hasn't gone away. Uh, I think with the legalization of, of cannabis, the, the focus is on more, uh, you know, coming up with, uh, 
prevention education uh, to you know to prevent the early consumption from our, our adolescents and and this is what I've been working on with some really key people uh, I have a clinical psychologist here that deals with a lot of suicide prevention with youth and uh, another uh, another person that's probably the, the best drug prevention officer I've ever seen in my life a fellow named Rick Lemieux and um, we're, we're putting together a, kind of a three-part uh, prevention education program dealing with trying to create, you know, set goals for yourself and, and, and how to achieve goals and come up a, with a plan for your future. And, and hopefully part of that plan would be to, to be ed- educate your, yourself, obviously, on, on the dangers of, of drug abuse and particularly, uh, particularly cannabis because there's a definitely need to, to have some factual information about the dangers of cannabis. And there's so much misinformation going on. Unfortunately, our uh, use perception on cannabis is, is not very accurate. And, uh, and we're hoping to, you know, maybe put together presentations that will educate kids on, on the dangers, uh, give them some, some tools to, to plan for their future, and, and certainly talk about the, uh, the mental health issues that, you know, drug abuse, uh, particularly early consumption of cannabis causes, which unfortunately sometimes, sometimes leads to, uh, to preventable suicide. So it, it's a three-part uh, program that, that kind of works together to supply young people with, with skills that they need to, to have a bright future. Future and, and, and be accountable and, and take ownership of their future. Sounds like a really uh, worthwhile program. Well, it, it's something that I think is timely, and it's something definitely needed. And it's been my life work. Uh, you know, uh, my hockey career, you know, really put me in a position to maybe have a voice a little bit in, in at least our northern communities. And uh, and it, it's um, it's been a real blessing to be able to uh, you know to. To, to work for the OPP and, and you know, um, impact communities, hopefully, in a positive way. And uh, speaking of northern communities, uh, you've been part of another really worthwhile and interesting initiative involving hockey equipment. Uh, tell us about that. Well, you know, my, my belief has always been that, that playing sports of any kind, but, you know, particularly hockey for, for us in the north and in Canada, is the original drug prevention program. Kids that are engaged in sports, kids that are on teams, kids that are mentored with by you know quality adults that feel that sense of community and sense of, of group, uh, I think have a far better uh, chance of succeeding in life. I mean, those those skills learned, uh, you know, serve you well throughout life. You know, I, I think of. You know, I, all I wanted to do when I was a, as a kid was play hockey and stop pucks. But because of the good choices and the things, the decisions that I made, in order for me to be a good hockey player, also kind of opened doors for me after hockey, uh, and, and gave me skills to to fulfill, uh, you know, other uh, avenues and, and other ambitions that I had. And, and certainly, if it wasn't for the for the coaching and and the the, the community people that supported me as a child and through sports. I would never have had that opportunity. So we're trying to do the same thing for, for certainly underprivileged children and, and primarily uh, children in our, in our coastal communities that really don't have a lot of, uh, a lot of hope. And, and the two things that I know that, uh, that, that unfortunately happen in the north is that there, there, there tends to be some, some uh, alcohol and, and drug abuse issues. And, and there's a strong, strong love of hockey. So if we can, if we can get our kids engaged in, in positive activities, and hopefully create some some goal setting abilities and, and, and tools for them to achieve these goals, uh, you know, through factual information about drugs and the dangers, 
uh, we're, we're hoping to maybe have some, you know, some success in, in uh, keeping kids safe and, and on a good path. On oh, a good path, yeah. And, and I believe you've been involved, uh, I don't know the organization's name, but uh, gathering up uh, hockey equipment from southern Ontario and uh, shipping it, shipping it uh, far north. We've, we've had tremendous uh, support from Southern Ontario. Uh, Darcy Tucker coaches a team in, uh, in Toronto. It's a triple-A team of, uh, of Bantam players, and, and one of their goaltenders actually took it upon himself to, uh, after hearing about what we were doing, to uh, you know start with just getting equipment from his, his teammates, and then it spread to all of, uh, of the GTHL. And they 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 sent up a uh, like a transport truck full of stuff up here two years ago. And again last year we we had a a huge amount of equipment come up here. And you know these guys are all elite players, so you know they're 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 using nothing but the best in the way of skates and equipment and sticks and and stuff. And and it, it was wonderful to see the quality of this stuff. I mean it was gently used. It was probably outgrown. It certainly wasn't worn out. And um, we've uh, we've partnered up with a, a girls hockey organization actually in Timmins Timmins Falcons that that uh, my old my old chief uh, Julian Fantino used to love to say we need boots on the ground and and this this uh, Timmins Falcons uh, you know there there are boots on the ground in our northern communities they go up and deliver these the equipment they size up the kids they run skills they'll either be dry land or in the winter time they're up there running hockey uh, hockey clinics. Uh, they're feeding the kids. They're doing educational programs, and uh, they're actually just a fabulous organization. So we've, uh, I'm happy to partner with them and uh, support them any way I can. Uh, yeah, I believe my my wife uh, heard a, a, a CBC radio story. I believe on the the Timmins Falcons uh, going up there and doing all that good work. And I believe you've uh, you've even gone far north to see uh, their handiwork yourself. Uh, you were saying that Wendell Clark and yourself ended up as roommates uh, uh, up in the Arctic. We were up in Callaway a few years ago, ago for the a few years ago for the Hockey Day in Canada broadcast, and uh, did some work in the schools. Uh, Wendell was really good to come with me to the schools and, and then to the hospitals, and uh, you know talk to the people there. And, and uh, he's a he's a he's a good speaker and, and certainly a well sought up sought after speaker to get up into the northern areas. And we actually tried to get him up into Casetuan uh, a few years ago. It, it, it didn't work out with his timetable, but. Uh, yeah, he'd uh, he'd have a huge impact up there. They uh, they would they all loved. They all, everybody wanted. To, when I went up there to do a speak uh, to, to speak in the schools a few years ago, they wanted to know if I could bring Wendell Wendell with me. So <laughs> I actually reached out to his people to see if he would come, and and he, and he wanted to do it. He just couldn't. It just didn't work out for him. He keeps a pretty busy schedule, from what I understand. No doubt, yeah. So uh, thanks for talking to us, Paul. It's been great, and uh, you have a lot of worthwhile endeavors going on, keeping you busy, and uh, good luck with those. And thanks so much for being on our uh, – It's uh, we're well into our third year, but this is our very first episode on Whiteman TV. And uh, thanks for uh, sharing your memories of playing with the Leafs and uh, Minnesota North Stars and Oshawa Generals and uh, some of your insights, and all the best to you. And thanks for talking to us, Paul. Well, thanks to you guys, and thanks for Whiteman for having me on, and uh, good luck with your uh, future endeavors. Thanks, Paul. Take care. Bye-bye. And that was Paul Harrison. Uh, great conversation. Uh, we'll take a quick break right here, and uh, we'll be back in about two minutes. Hockey Talk is brought to you by Lasting Memories Locker Room, downtown Hanover, where you will find incredible sports memorabilia, art supplies, and custom framing. Check them out online at LastingMemoriesLockerRoom.com. 
When you step into Bath & Biscuit Dog Grooming Salon in Durham, you'll see why it's the place for passionate pet parents. Grooms include brush out, haircut from nose to tail, nail trimming, hydro surge bath that deep cleans your furry friends, blow dry and finishing spray, private appointments, treats, experienced groomers, and a whole lot of love ensures that you've got the best looking dog on the block. Bath and Biscuit Dog Grooming Salon on Garifroxa Street North in Durham now also sells pet food and supplies. Visit them at bathandbiscuit.ca. <laughs> The bonus tag event has been extended at Hallman Motors. Receive up to 15% off MSRP in cash discounts on selected inventory. Include Chevrolet Cruze, Malibu, Trax, Sonic, and Spark, as well as Buick Encore, Regal, and LaCrosse. Receive up to 10% off in credits on Chevrolet Equinox, Camaro, Corvette, Impala, Tahoe, Suburban, GMC, Terrain, Yukon, Savannah, and Acadia. Cash purchase only. See dealer for details. At Hallman Motors Chevrolet Buick GMC Cadillac, across from the racetrack in Hanover, and at Hallman Motors. Bruce and Gray Counties are amazing places to live, but sometimes they can be difficult to get around and explore. That's where Soggy Mobility and Regional Transit comes in. Since 1977, they've specialized in public transit service to those with permanent or temporary mental and physical challenges within Bruce and Gray Counties. Finally, you have the ability to stay mobile. Life can be challenging. Let Soggy Mobility help. To find out more about smart services in your area or to register, visit SoggyMobility.ca and they'll see you soon. Tired of hard water wreaking havoc around your home? Dry skin and lifeless hair? Dull and dingy laundry? Soap scum and spotted glasses too? Hey, Colligan Man! A Colligan water softener turns hard water soft every time. Soft water is the answer. Not cleaning products or detergents. Colligan saves you up to 50% on soaps and detergents while turning your laundry, bathroom, and kitchen brilliant like me. This is Ian Wilson. Join me on Sunday evenings from 8 till 10 for crooners and all that jazz. Each week we'll be taking a trip down memory lane, playing some great songs and tunes of yesteryear. If you enjoy crooners music from the Rat Pack era, blended with a little jazz and some show tunes, this is a show for you. That's crooners and all that jazz with me, Ian Wilson, Sunday evenings at 8 o'clock, right here on 91.3 FM Blue Water Radio. Start spreading the news. Hockey Talk is brought to you by Lasting Memories Locker Room, downtown Hanover, where you will find incredible sports memorabilia, art supplies, and custom framing. Check them out online at lastingmemorieslockerroom.com. And welcome back to our final segment of Hockey Talk on Whiteman TV and Blue Water Radio. And Andy, a great conversation with a, with a, a, a another famous Maple Leaf for all of us guys that are that are in their mid forties. Uh, we remember those years well. Paul, great ta- talk with him. Uh, and now let's uh, let's move on to today's hockey world. I noticed uh, you're stretching the the meaning of mid forties. Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm into the late forties now. You're but getting some good mileage out of the mid forties. We're, we're getting that uh, mid forty five is going to hang around there. Let's get into today's hockey. Uh, the Caps and uh, Vegas Golden Knights are in, in a great battle in the Stanley Cup final, and we happen to have a, a Twitter poll uh, regarding the the Vegas. Uh, extravaganza show the pregames yeah so for our radio audience i'll uh, share with you uh this was on our twitter so if you could check it out there if you want to uh take a look but uh the the poll question was be honest now how do you feel about the vegas golden knights pregame extravaganzas because they are long and they are there's a lot going on they're busy there's 
It's like going to a medieval feast and a rock concert and, you know, Motown tribute concert all in one. It reminded me of being at medieval times. (laughs) Yeah. Lord of the Rings, you know, just happened out here. So uh, the options, uh, it's interesting because uh, people are kind of polarized on this. People feel strongly two different ways. Uh, The first option was it's too much. Start the game already. And a whopping 44% came down on that uh wow. too much start the game and i have to be honest that's kind of how i feel i'm a little bit of a traditionalist i'm like yeah i love the hockey let's get to it i don't mind a little showmanship but when it starts going into these whole epic narratives i'm like you know i i, I watch lord of the rings you know I, I don't need to watch it right now so um 11 said they don't care either way so that was interesting 39 percent said they love it keep it up and, uh, you know, you've mentioned you love it. Steve uh, has I'm, been I'm there, the 39%, yeah. Yeah, uh, Steve is a big fan himself. And then 6% said they have to try harder. <laughs> they have to try harder. Wow. Yeah, I'm not sure how they could. Yeah, that would be tough but, uh, to beat. I mean, you know, going into next year now, I, you know, you don't want to see it anymore after this year. But, I mean, their first year in the league, they, they want to get Vegas on them. I mean, I know Vegas is on the map now in the hockey world with the performance that the Knights have put on this year. But, just doing everything to the max this year for me is just great for the game. Uh, showing showing that a new team in the league doesn't have to finish dead last for the first twenty years of their existence. Uh, you know, yeah, it, I, I think uh, it's great. I mean, I wouldn't want to see that kind of extravaganza again next year if they get to the to the Stanley Cup Finals. But uh, for this year, I, I'm I'm good with tolerance and I'm enjoying enjoying the show. Yeah, can you imagine how tedious it would get? Tedious it would get if every team is trying to. Outdo the other, trot it out, and you know I always think back to when uh, the early years of the San Jose Sharks, and I don't know if you remember, but when they had the there, there was a big thing one game, the game got held up for a long time because they're trying to do some showmanship, and uh, the the shark mascot, they were dropping him down from the ceiling, as you know we've seen in the Vegas yeah. stuff, but the the drop wire got caught, right? So we had this ridiculous Jeez. situation where you know on a Shark on a live broadcast. Line? Yeah, there's a shark dangling above the ice, so they couldn't start the game for like 45 minutes because the shark's dangling above the ice, and you know the audience is there, and I believe it was a televised game, and it was a bit of a gong show in that regard. So hopefully it doesn't all. I, I think hockey has so much to offer and so much drama and so much spectacle. We don't have to go away from it as much. Yeah. So, and speaking of that, you know, I guess the Capitals did counter with pat sajak in a sweater so, so <laughs> that's kind of like the antidote right there right yeah, that, that's great that, that's the ultimate under extravaganza for for those but uh yeah. i mean well i mean we grew up watching pat sajak too so True. yeah it was he actually was entertainment he was pithy and it yeah. was fun it was like the hey they had pat sajak and then they got on with the game and they did a bunch of crowd shots of you know 70s tv actress linda carter who you know all of us grew up with a lot of admiration for uh, Linda Carter and uh, those bracelets of truth that she flashed around. Um, or sorry, the lasso of truth. Yeah, yeah the she had the bracelets truth. deflected the bullets. It was the lasso of truth, yes. Um, in the stupid invisible plane. But that's a whole other yeah. talk for a whole other show. Um, at any rate, uh, getting down to the meat of it. Uh, so tomorrow night, they're back at it. So what are your thoughts about tomorrow night's game? Actually, at this point, you know, a lot of the series in in the Stanley Cup playoffs this year have gone long, long games, sixes and sevens. I'm I'm actually hoping that it's probably going to end tomorrow night. Uh, Vegas has had a great run; they've done the hockey world a great thing. 
But the Washington Capitals have played their hearts out this year. Guys like Alex Ovechkin, Nicholas Backstrom, they've they've proved year in and year out that they deserve to be champions. And it looks like they're 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 going to get well. They're as close as they're going to get to it right now. With if, and I hope they finish it off tomorrow. They deserve to have this. Uh, you mean we've seen so many NHL players that have had storied careers. Never had a shot at a Stanley Cup just because of the teams they played for. They're just not having quite enough. And uh, it'd be nice to see a couple of future Hall of Famers like those two guys and the, and the rest of the team, of course, get in and get get the cup that they deserve it this year. Right. I agree there. Uh, they've played well. They've been good for a long time. It's uh, that little bit of irony that when they came into the league as a expansion team back then, they basically allowed teams to really protect tons and tons and very little was left on the plate so yeah. what it was in their first year they they only won six or seven games the washington capitals did and uh you know and i have no bitterness towards las vegas like they paid their 500 million dollar expansion fee or whatever it is they paid the big bucks so uh maybe they overshot the mark but i think it wasn't by accident that they overshot the markets they have george mcphee and all those you know yeah, sorry, uh, McGill's there too, who did so well for Owen Sound uh, the previous year. And and uh, Gerard Gallant has been such a fantastic coach. So between their scouting, their coaching, their recruiting, they've just been so smart that they've earned it, right? Yeah. So I, I have no misgivings about Vegas being there with what they've had. Uh, they, they maximized their assets. They did a great job and good on Washington. A few of the side narratives. I got to say this, on social media, Every time um, Washington plays and they're back and forth, you know, every time they're down, <laughs> Washington fans tend to start losing their minds. And then I've noticed a trend that as soon as they win a game, there has to be a few people have to make the same post all the time. It's like this cult thing, you know, the cult of the Caps. Tom Wilson, everybody hates Tom Wilson, but they would love to have him on their team. No. Like, and every time they win, and I'm like, you know what? No, because yeah. if you look at the last two games where they've got their leads, they've played well, they've got their leads, he's gone out and taken boneheaded penalties, unnecessary penalties, undisciplined, selfish penalties. And that's the whole comes down to the series or what the series comes down to for me is that Vegas hasn't made them pay when Tom Wilson's taken his selfish, stupid penalties. Um, the last two games it's happened, and I'd much rather have a Smith Pelly who plays a disciplined game has a lot of those intangibles, you know, he's popping that goal in there. But I haven't seen Smith Pelly taking the stupid penalties that are putting the lead at risk like Tom Wilson does. Yeah. And I mean, when it comes down to it, when you look at the end of the game, the Washington Capitals are winning games because of a Braden Holtby has been standing on his head and the guys like Alex Ovechkin, Lars Zeller, Nicholas Backstrom, they're the guys that are putting the pucks in the net. Carlson, yeah. And, you know, the guys that should be winning the games for Washington are the ones that are winning the games for Washington. And any Washington fans that are listening, they know I'm speaking the truth now. Because yeah. The guys, you know, Kuznetsov, all these guys, they're the ones that are scoring the goals. You're seeing their names in the highlights at the end of the game. And, and th these are the guys that needed to get it done for the last few years, and they just weren't. Um, I mean, Ovechkin's Ovechkin, and Backstrom is Backstrom. They're going to get their points. But this, this secondary scoring that the Washington Capitals are seeing in this final, they weren't seeing in previous years, especially against the Pittsburgh Penguins where they got beaten. And this year, these guys are scoring the goals. And, that, and that's why I think that they're going to come through probably in tomorrow's game and finish it off because these guys are pumped. They, they know they're only one game away, and they're doing it this year, and they're going to continue to do it. Yeah, and certainly Braden Holpe's played very well enough. Uh, 
this season, in my not expert opinion, because I haven't watched watched Washington a ton, but when I did, uh, when they struggled, I never felt it was because of him. No, um, it tended to be the defense in front of him, and they certainly got that together. And I have to say that the penalty kill for me, Washington's penalty kill, has been the difference maker in this game. As you said, though, the secondary scoring came through, which was also really important. Well, I mean, it takes it takes a lot of a lot of things to happen to, to win a game, especially when you get to the Stanley Cup final. You've got two great teams that have fought hard all the way through but you're right it takes more than one intangible to make to win the to win the stanley cup and washington is playing everything properly right now i mean nothing against mark andre Fleury; he's been stellar too and it's going to be interesting to see who who in who gets the mvp in the playoffs once this series is over but it's going to be an interesting show to see that yeah there's been rare cases where it's gone to uh, the other team or more particularly the goalie of the other team yep. but uh, i believe ron hextall uh once in uh, in a final against edmonton if i believe that might have been a case i i'd have to fact check that one yeah. but um it's certainly very rare but it has happened but i i don't think there's a lack of candidates on the capitals they're certainly going to find a, a, a con Smythe winner on on the capitals lineup if and when they do win it and it's probably not going to be tom wilson yeah <laughs> yeah not tom wilson and where do you where do you think carlson uh where's he going to end up after the season um you mean the one that plays for plays for ottawa currently oh, no, no, sorry i was talking i was talking uh or william uh no uh I was actually talking Washington. <laughs> oh, that Carl, John yeah. Carlson. John Carlson, yeah, sorry. Uh, it's hard to say. I mean, there's a lot of rumors going around. I mean, any, anytime there's a defenseman up for grabs anywhere, there's always talk about him landing Sought in Toronto. After. Yeah. And I, I don't see Toronto going after him. Um, I think he sticks with Washington. I mean, I don't know how they're going to do it because they're probably going to end up like Chicago and have to dismantle the team if they win the Cup this year. But uh, I'd like to see him stick with Washington. He seems to have a good fit in there. Um, it's hard to say where else he could go. He could end up in Vegas. He could. You, you never know and play with with another Carlson. Now, it's, it's the one that's playing in Ottawa that everyone's talking about. And, talking and about, yeah. there's no, there's no, I don't see any way he stays in Ottawa. I mean, I've seen things, you know, these armchair GMs doing stuff on, on the internet. And uh, yeah. they've all got, well, or, uh, I can't even think of his name now. Eric, Eric Carlson. Yeah slated in to be the Ottawa defenseman next year and I'm sitting there looking at the going yeah I don't think that's going to happen yeah I don't know where he's going to go but uh I don't think he's going to be in Ottawa now for our radio listeners I should say uh we will be this all that you're hearing here will be airing with uh graphics pictures videos polls uh Friday nights on Whiteman TV so if uh, you like what you're here you can catch our TV version uh this Friday night we have our first one on Whiteman I believe we're either right before or right after they have a raceway, yeah. So that'll be a nice little lead-in. Yeah, it, and it's, it's been another great show, and we'll catch you next week here, right here on Hockey Talk. Be sure to tune into the live show every Wednesday at six PM on ninety-one point three FM Blue Water Radio. And watch the video replay every Friday night at 8 p.m. on Whiteman TV, Channel 6.